Welcome, Imaginators. Sit back, buckle in, and ignite your imagination. This is the Imaginate Series, Season 1, The Man with the Red Umbrella. I'm Joey Massio, the author and creator of Imaginate. Before we start today's episode, I'd like to tell you more about the wonderful organization we just joined up with, Kids Listen. If you're a mom, dad, grandparent, or any adult that spends any time with a kid, then you need to follow them on Twitter at KidsListen or go to their website, kidslisten.org, and sign up for their newsletter. They are advocates of great audio programs for kids, which means they want to help you find the best shows out there. Because let's be honest, the kids and family section in iTunes is overloaded with shows that aren't really for children. Personally, I can't wait for iTunes to create a dedicated kids-only section. But the folks at Kids Listen have vetted a great list of the best ones your kids will love. So go check them out. Your kids will be glad you did. Here's a recap of the last episode of Imaginate. After the robo-robber, a robot Nate imagined that suddenly appeared in real life, ran amok through his school's career fair, Nate, Alex, and Thomas finally caught it and brought it home. Though the robot was right in front of them, Alex and Thomas still don't believe Nate created it with his mind. The next morning, the robo-robber was missing, stolen straight from his room. Nate accused his jerk older brother, Spencer, of taking it, but couldn't find it anywhere in his room. With the robo-robber missing, his brother mad at him, and his friends doubtful of his powers, Nate is headed off to school. And things are about to get weird. And now, Imaginate, The Man with a Red Umbrella, Episode 7, Hamburgers. Spencer went to the same school. They never walked together. Usually they stayed a few houses apart. Spencer walked ahead and turned around every so often to make sure Nate stayed far enough back. On this particular morning, neither of them even wanted to walk in the same time zone as the other. Nate headed off to school earlier than usual and took a different route. It was longer, but he wanted there to be no chance Spencer would catch up to him. The alternate route took Nate past the old abandoned Waco oil factory. The city of Brea meant the city of tar. The hills were apparently loaded with oil, and that's what caused settlers to settle the place to begin with. Oil pumps, giant metal horse-looking things, bobbing up and down pumping oil, could be found in random places throughout the city. When the oil companies picked up and left, they sort of forgot to take this one factory with them. It was an old red brick building. Graffiti did a nice job at covering most of the rust stains and peeling paint. The sides of the building were lined with extremely tall, broken, and cracked windows. More of them certainly would have been broken by projectile rocks if it weren't for the large, vacant parking lot surrounding the building, 
which meant you had to have a very good arm to break a window. There was also a long fence around the whole property with no trespassing signs every 20 feet. In reality, it was the danger hazardous materials signs that kept out most juvenile delinquents. As Nate made it past the factory and crossed back over into the next neighborhood, he had a strange feeling he was being followed. He checked behind him. Nothing but trees lining the streets, rows of bushes and yards, and other places for someone to hide behind. Bruce the bully apparently lived somewhere in this neighborhood. Nate knew that when he decided to take this route, and he didn't care. He'd take Bruce over Spencer any day. Sometimes a brother could be a bigger pain than a bully. Nate kept walking. A few seconds later, he heard the sound of footsteps behind him. He turned around. No one was there. Bruce, go away. I'm not in the mood. Nate tried to sound as tough as he could. Whether he sounded tough or not, he wasn't sure. But Nate thought it would be a good idea to walk a little faster. The sidewalk turned into a green belt in between houses. Nate always liked this spot. It sat at the corners of four neighborhoods where the linking sidewalks intersected. The intersection was surrounded by green grass and tall trees. It reminded Nate of the Tolji Woods from Alice in Wonderland, the crazy forest with lots of paths and gnarly trees. Nate was almost to the sidewalk intersection when he jumped, but felt silly when he saw it was just a pine cone landing behind him. Pull yourself together. You're afraid of a stupid falling pine cone. Nate stopped in his tracks. He looked back at the pine cone, then up at the trees surrounding him. He wasn't a tree expert, but he knew enough to know none of these trees were pine trees. A second pine cone landed next to him. All right, Bruce, you scared me. <laughs> We're going to be late to school, not like you care. Nate forced a little laugh that didn't even convince himself he wasn't scared. Three pine cones landed behind him. Spencer, it's got to be you. No one else would think being this annoying for this long is funny. Spencer. Spencer. It has to be Spencer, right? But the pine cones were coming from different directions. Either Bruce and Spencer were moving really fast, working together, or this was something else. It was something else. Like a slow rain building up to a torrential downpour, pine cones started falling from the trees. Dozens of them. Hundreds of them. Nate lifted his backpack over his head for protection. They landed all around Nate, bouncing off his backpack and skittering past his shoes. The ground slowly disappeared under a blanket of brown. When water rains down, it sounds nice. When pine cones rain down, it sounds like a herd of dinosaurs running across cement. The sweet smell of pine assaulted his nostrils and filled his lungs. The deafening sound made it hard for Nate to think. 
He didn't know what was happening, but he knew if he stayed there, he might drown in pine cones. He took off running. His feet kicked pine cones to the left and right as he ran. Running just made the pine cones hit him harder, but he pushed through it. He made it out of the storm and kept running. Behind him, the thundering of pine cones suddenly stopped. Nate turned around and saw a sight he'd never seen before. The little patch of Tolji Woods, where the sidewalks crossed, was covered in a sea of pine cones five feet deep. It was hard to tell from that far away, but Nate squinted as hard as he could, and he thought he saw something leaning next to one of the trees. It was a tall, red umbrella. It wasn't until after math class, and Mrs. Witten was well into some English lesson on Edgar Allan Poe, when Nate's mind and heart were finally able to slow down. Exactly what happened this morning? Was the sky literally raining pine cones? Or were those non-pine trees spewing them out of their branches like a kid who ate too much Halloween candy? And what was with that red umbrella? I saw a man with a red umbrella while we were playing pirates at the playground. Where's my robo-robber? And my mystery float? Who is taking my stuff and why? Nate knew he needed his friend's help in figuring all this out. He also knew there was no way they would believe any of it. Unless he could prove to them, he could create things, real things, with his imagination. In the 13 minutes before the lunch bell rang, Nate came up with a plan. Again with this? said Thomas. Alex leaned against the oak tree at their lunchtime spot and poked around the lump of questionable meat on his lunch tray. Nate, we're not saying you're crazy. We're saying you're acting crazy, which might be the same thing. I promise this will be the last we ever talk about it, if I can prove it to you right here and now. Nate took out his school notebook. He had ripped out all the pages having to do with school, which wasn't much. Left the page with his slogan, This book contains the ideas in my brains. They jump and shout, so I let them out. And made an edit in the My Work title on the front cover. Work was crossed out, and under it, Nate had written, Imaginations. That's not how you spell imagination. It's a mix between imagine and creations. That's what I'm calling the things I create with my mind. Right. Alex broke his spork trying to cut into his lunch. Look, we don't have much time. Thomas checked his watch. Lunch j just started. I know, and this is going to take all the time we've got. Nate opened up to a blank page in his notebook. I want you guys to give me something to create. Anything. And I'm going to make it appear right here. Nate drew an X in the dirt. Anything? Yeah. Well, make it small and safe. We don't want it to cause a scene like the robo-robber. Make me lunch. Alex tossed his lunch tray onto the grass. I always go hungry on Mystery Meat Wednesdays. You want me to make you lunch? Yeah, me too. A hamburger. Yeah. Alex smiled wide. A nice juicy hamburger with everything on it. Perfect. Nate started scribbling in his notebook. 
I'm going to make you a machine that creates hamburgers out of thin air. That would be so cool. Oh, it will be cool. Nate set to work designing the machine in his notebook. He sketched, outlined, erased, sketched again, doodled, and dreamed for about eight minutes straight without stopping. He drew his last line and smiled. Uh, and there. He showed it to his friends. I call it the Hamburgenator. Alex looked it over. I see what you did there with your name. Clever. Cool. W where is it? Yeah, I'm hungry. I haven't made it yet. Nate stood up. I've been holding back a little until I was finished with it. I wanted to prove to you guys that I designed it before it appeared. Alex's stomach rumbled. Okay, we got it. If a machine like that appears, you're a wizard. Let's get on with it. Nate concentrated hard on his latest imagination. The Hamburgernator is a small cube-like machine. It has to be small enough to fit comfortably in my backpack, yet big enough to produce a good-sized burger. On the front, there is a glass door that opens up like an oven. The controls are on the sides and consist of a couple dozen buttons for toppings. Lettuce, pickles, tomatoes, potato chips, french fries, Twinkies, almost everything you can think of. Once you put in your order, you hit the green start button on the top, and seconds later, boom, your delectable dish is ready. Lastly, on the side or the word hamburgenator in cool lettering, so no one ever doubts that this was my invention. Nate, Alex, and Thomas stared down at the X in the dirt. Nothing. Nate thought harder. Still nothing. Alex got up. There still might be time to trade my mystery meat with Jeffrey. He'll eat almost any... A rustle started up on the hill in the bushes behind them. Something was quickly making its way down the hill, right toward them. The three boys saw glimpses of something silver tumbling down, bumping into branches, sending stones cascading down the hill, until finally it slid out at the bottom and came to rest a few feet in front of them. It was the Hamburgernator, exactly as Nate drew it. Yes! Nate ran over to it and dusted it off. It's perfect! He turned to his two friends. You see? You missed the X-probe by a long shot. Thomas looked skeptical. Did you put that there before lunch? What? Nate was both offended and excited at the same time. A weird mix of emotions. How could I? You guys told me what to make. But everyone knows I hate Mystery Meat Wednesdays. No, look. Nate turned the hamburgernator on. The lights lit up on all of the buttons. What do you want on your hamburger? Thomas laughed. That easy bake oven is not going to make a hamburger appear out of thin... Bacon, lettuce, mayo, pickles, and... Ooh, is that a button for spicy flame cheesy puffs? Alex was trying to hide it, but he was starting to drool. Yep. Nate smiled. He put in the order. Is that it? Yeah, man. When will it be ready? In three, two... Nate pressed the green start button on top. One. The lights on the hamburger-nator blinked in succession. 
A small whirring sound came from it as it vibrated in Nate's hand. Alex and Thomas tried to look through the glass door. Something was inside, but it was hard to tell what. Nate slowly opened the door and pulled out a hamburger with bacon, lettuce, mayo, pickles, and spicy flame cheese puffs. Nate held up the hamburger. Lunch is served. They ate like kings that day. Like big, fat, greedy hamburger kings. They each had two burgers for lunch, several as an after-school snack, a few for dinner, and one before they separated for home. They put the hamburger-nator in a grocery bag and buried it under a rock in Nate's backyard for safekeeping, because Nate's room obviously wasn't Fort Knox. Nate was just happy to have his friends finally believe him. As they chowed down, he told them about the mystery float, the missing robo-robber, the pinecone storm, and the man with the red umbrella. They discussed theories about Nate's power, like how it started on his 12th birthday, where it came from, and how long it might last. They talked about the cool things Nate should make next. Most of all, they talked about how Nate was not crazy. Life was good. Until later that night. Nate shot up in bed and gripped his stomach in pain. Half asleep and fully in agony, he squinted at the clock through blurry eyes. It was just after midnight. His stomach felt like it was being ripped open from the inside. What's wrong with me? Am I sick? I don't need to throw up. And this hurts so bad. Oh no, maybe it's the hamburgers. Is this food poisoning? Was the meat cooked all the way through? I should have added a well done button. Am I gonna die? Then it hit him. Nate knew exactly what this pain was. He had felt it many times, just never this intense. He felt it on family road trips, during church every Sunday, and every day at school right before the bell rang for lunch. Nate was hungry. He was more than hungry. He was starving. No, he was past starving. Nate was utterly famished. He was even past famished. Nate felt completely and entirely empty, like a ravenous lion in a vast desert without a single gazelle around to devour. Nate ran downstairs, through the living room, and into the kitchen. He tore open the fridge and went straight for the leftovers. There was no time to microwave, no time to grab utensils. Nate needed food, and he needed it now. Halfway through the third container, the kitchen lights turned on. His mom and dad, both groggy and disheveled, looked very confused. Nate! It's the middle of the night, son, and you're eating green beans? Mrs. Spelling finished tying up her robe. I thought you hated green beans. His mom was right. He hated green beans with a passion. But right now, they never tasted so good. Nate swallowed his mouthful and said with an uncertain smile, I guess my taste buds are changing. Voices for this episode were provided from the Heavenly Vocal Chords, 
of Bobby Massio, Michael Rosenbaum, and Jessica White. Imaginate theme music by the incredible Jeffrey Larson. If you've been enjoying Imaginate, please leave us a review on iTunes and share a link to the show with your friends, because their kids would probably enjoy the show too. Until next time, Imaginators, and remember, before you go on thinking you're alone in your weirdness, chances are there's a group of people out there just like you, and they're waiting for you to find them. <laughs>